five, therefore nine. Nine and nine, therefore eighteen. Eighteen and eighteen, therefore thirty-six. Four and five, therefore nine. Four and five, therefore nine. Listening to the Living Writers Show on WCBN FM Ann Arbor. My name is Rachel Harkai. Our guest today is author Michelle Orange. Michelle has written for Salon Magazine, The Sun Magazine, The San Francisco Chronicle, and others. She's a frequent contributor to McSweeney's and The Huffington Post, and in 2005 she earned a master's degree in film studies from New York University. Her most recent work can be found in The Best Sex Writing, 2006, and Mountain Man Dance Moves, McSweeney's Book of Lists. Her audio work has aired on the CBC and BBC and can be found on the award-winning website transom.org. She recently edited a story collection to be found in issue 22 of McSweeney's, and her most recent work, The Sicily Papers, was just released from Short Flight Long Drive Books, the book publishing arm of Hobart Press. Thanks for joining us today. It's Thank great you to for have having you me. It's nice to be here. <laughs> um, I guess I should start by congratulating you. Um, the Sicily Papers was the winner of Hobart's 2006 mini book contest. Thank you. Um, it really is. It's a beautiful book. It um, is, isn't it? Yeah, it is. When I first started, to be honest, I really wasn't. I wasn't quite sure what it was or <laughs> what it was meant to be, and um, I'm pretty sure that most of our listeners right now are are probably in the same boat. So I was hoping that you could just explain a little bit. What the book is? Sure, um, it's it's fairly uh, it's fairly simple to sum it up. It's it's a a book of letters basically um, that have been collected. Uh, they were written in the spring of 2003 um, when I spent a month alone in, uh, traveling through Sicily, um, and they're all written to one person, um, and hopefully they tell something of a story in a in a different sort of way. Mm-hmm. You call your uh, your eager recipient B. Right? <laughs> I call him B. Okay. Is that is that a first initial? Or? That's a first initial. Okay, all right. <laughs> well, um, for for our listeners who haven't seen the book yet, um, the book is really it's beautifully designed. It it sort of resembles a passport. Mm-hmm. It's a four by six paperback, and it has um, this fancy looking gilt crest on the cover. Mm-hmm. It's and a Canadian coat of arms, actually. Is it yeah, really? This is exactly what a Canadian passport looks like. The really? font and everything. Yeah, Aaron Birch, who who did all the design, he did an amazing job. Same yeah. colors. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't look like our passport. No, I know, <laughs> I know. I, I, well, I couldn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it's really, it's flexible, it's bendable, and it, um, you just want to stick it in your pocket. I think I, after I finished it, I carried it around in my pocket for probably a day, just because it felt like it should be there. Uh-huh. <laughs> it felt like it fit there. <laughs> but um, you set the book, so um, there are margins, and uh, the comments you wrote can mm-hmm. be found in the margins. Like, if you cross something out, um, <laughs> it's present with a strike through. 
Um, I was I was curious about how you felt about having letters retyped. I'm, you originally wrote them by hand? It's true, yeah. I originally wrote them by hand, and um, my handwriting's not that great, so I, <laughs> it wasn't, uh, wasn't so much an option to sort of reproduce them entirely. But uh, I didn't mind. I mean, I, and I like the, just that idea of trying to maintain, you know, spelling mistakes and, and strikethroughs and things like that. I think it gives a nice... It still gives the feel, I hope, of of uh, a handwritten letter a, a little bit. Um, yeah, I, th- I think it does. It feels very genuine. Mm-hmm. But um, I was hoping we could start out by um, having you read read a sure. passage from the book. Um, sure. This first one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. That one. Um, it's pretty much after you first get to Sicily. Right. Mm-hmm. So this, yeah, this is probably about four or five days in, and I'm in. Uh, in a, a city called Syracuse, which is on the eastern coast of Sicily. Um, here's a little bit. The amorousness of young Italian couples always touches me. Ha ha, I find it quite touching. There's this boardwalk, huge, with spaced out ventilation blocks, and, an, and on each of six of them there's always a single motorcycle and a young couple making out like crazy. I often wonder if they don't feel like they've been put there by the Ministry of Tourism, or at least feel terribly unor- unoriginal, what with five carbon copies of themselves surrounding them. Maybe that's the appeal. Sometimes it's comforting to act out a cliché, at least when you're 17. I remember Kurt telling someone when asked what we did the previous night that we'd made out like teenagers. It was funny because it was true, but also because I'd just turned 20 and he was only 22. Why do only teenagers get to do it? I miss those people, that group of friends I had, That was the happiest time of my life. That's the last time I remember feeling that I had a network of people around me I really liked and trusted. We had so much fun together. I loved them so much. They were funny, funny guys, and they loved me too. Did you ever have a group of friends like that? Sometimes I feel like it would hurt me to see them now. It just reminded me of how different things are. And it's only going to get worse. But I'm terribly nostalgic. I've been that way since I could pronounce it always afraid of time passing, hating change. I tell this story a lot, but I remember feeling like my world was ending when my dad changed our kitchen garbage bag under the sink from a paper bag that sat on the floor of the cupboard to one of those newfangled plastic jobs that screwed into the inside of the door. I was inconsolable. I begged him not to do it. I felt it was the end of an era. Everything was before and after for me. I was four years old. Thank you. That was <laughs> that was author Michelle Orange reading from her newest book, The Sicily Papers. Um, boy, I love that pun. <laughs> I love that pun that you open with. Um, you talk a lot about I really, puns. I, well, I didn't do it on purpose. <laughs> That's the terrible part. Um, it's funny how that happens. I, uh, I was reading about, there's a section in the book about puns. I brought this really really awful textbook I had for a class. It's on um, deconstructionist theories. And um, <laughs> I was I was remembering this um, portion of the book about puns. And uh, it's, it's by Jonathan Culler. And uh, he writes that a sin against reason itself is the pun, which is an accidental or external relationship between signifiers that are treated as a conceptual relationship, identifying history as his story or connecting meaning and absence. We treat the pun as a joke, less signifiers in fact thought. Hmm. <laughs> and he's he's pretty uh pretty angry about Ouch. puns. There. Yeah. Wow, dude. I know, but um, just a pun. I, I know. Um, they sort of infiltrated 
their way into into your work, and I thought that was a really <laughs> it was a really great example of sort of the stream of consciousness yeah. writing that um, that just sort of flowed through your work. Um, you talk a lot in in that section about nostalgia. Mm-hmm. You've got that adorable little vignette of you um, <laughs> crying over changing the trash bag under the oh, kitchen. Oh man, it was awful. Um, do you think do you think nostalgia is something that is possibly separated from letter writing? I mean, do you think that that is something that is inherent to letter writing? Um, do you mean the the actual pro, like the actual process of doing it, or, or sort of people keeping letters and and using them as as um, sort guess, of like found memories? Or I guess more so in the actual creation of the letter. Um, well, maybe these days. I, I mean, it seems like it's unusual for people to sit down and write a letter anymore. So it could be <laughs> it's either an act mm-hmm. of like resistance or maybe nostalgia I don't know um um I read a book recently by Roger Angel do you know who he is mm-hmm. he 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 wrote a he was an editor at the New Yorker magazine for a long time and he put out a sort of memoir that's more of a collection of essays but he's like 86 years old now and uh um, had this amazing life where you know his stepfather was E.B. White and his mother was one of the founding editors at the New Yorker but he was very um not angry, but uh, hostile at, at, at uh, accusations of, of being nostalgic, you know, mm. and, uh, and didn't want to be seen as someone who was constantly looking back and longing for the past. But I don't necessarily think that nostalgia is a is a longing or, or a bad thing. I mean, um, I sort of took issue with that a little bit. I think if you've led a great life and, and you enjoy your memories, why not look back at them as mm-hmm. much as often as you want to? You know? yeah, seems like that's exactly exactly what you did with this book. <laughs> um, even though the letters were very much written in the present mm-hmm. in your head in Sicily, um, it was almost as though they recognized sort of implicitly that it was a temporary sort of thing and you'd be leaving and you could use these to... Yeah, it, 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 I think over over the course of that month, it, it turned into something that I, I don't really think I it intended or I intended it to be. You know, it sort of took a took a form of its own. But I, I think you're right about that. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't it wasn't that serious of an endeavor when you started. No, it was really just uh, I was not going to be able to have access to my email for a few days, <laughs> <laughs> and I knew that was going to cause you know this person some distress. So I thought I would you know try to write some letters and. Um, I found myself enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of every letter, you drew a little stick figure self-portrait. Um, <laughs> usually your hair is strewn <laughs> over one eye. And ah. You seem to be waving, or mm-hmm. sometimes you're doing something crazy like jumping on a, a speeding boat. <laughs> it felt It felt really playful to me. Yeah, um, I don't know why I, I do the little person. I've been doing that since I was a, a, a kid. But um, uh, but the other drawings, yeah, it was. It, it's very much the spirit of the book is just sort of, uh, and the spirit of that trip and these letters was just sort of playful and and um, <laughs> free free flowing, I guess. Mm-hmm. So how did how did this actually come to be? in this form and published as a book I mean well that uh, is all owing to Hobart uh, Press which is based here in Ann Arbor and uh, Elizabeth Ellen who wanted to Hobart is a quarterly literary journal Mm -hmm. and uh, they wanted to start a books division and Elizabeth um, who was going to be sort of in charge of that decided to make it a contest and she was looking to publish some um, nonfiction um, 
uh, something that, not necessarily that had already been written, but something in the spirit of um, a journal or a diary um, or, I guess, uh, letters. Um, and so uh, I knew Elizabeth through through some writing circles, and she told me about the project, and we talked about it a little bit. Uh, and I didn't really have anything in mind, but uh, over a few weeks I, I remembered that I had these letters, and... Uh, um, I thought it over and we talked about it and, and then I, I submitted them and that's how uh, I guess I won the contest and that's mm-hmm. how <laughs> the book came to be. So you actually had to uh, reclaim your letters from I the didn't. I didn't because um, he made me copies as soon as I returned. Um, actually, um, I think initially he had the idea that he might have them typeset and bound as a as a gift for me. Um, so It's funny that you said that... Um, the lack of email contact would probably have troubled him just because uh, your book gives such a one-sided a one-sided view of you know your interaction mm-hmm. and it seemed it seemed like you you two weren't in contact um, as much other than through these letters and I, I know there was a big time delay between um, his receipt of your letter and your receipt of his letter but um, it seemed like you were always eagerly awaiting that letter that didn't come? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I I, I was getting emails every day. I d- I, maybe I didn't write about it. As I, I refer to, to a bunch of them. I don't know. I mean, it's how I was moving around so much in Sicily that I wasn't expecting a bunch of handwritten letters, but I did, I did receive one, <laughs> I guess. <Aww. laughs> and lots of email. I mean, um, I get the writing the letters was... was um, my prerogative, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to take uh, a short break. Um, you're listening to The Living Writers Show on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. listening to The Living Writers Show on WCBN-FM. My name is Rachel Harkai. I'm here with author Michelle Orange discussing her newest book, The Sicily Papers. Um, that music you just heard was the Dandy Warhols. <laughs> um, you actually quote that, that song yeah, in one funny. of your letters, don't you? <laughs> yeah, I, think you, I, I think, sure do. <laughs> I think you quote multiple parts of it. But, um, specific, Great song. Yeah, no, it's catchy. Um, you you write, uh, I could own her that crazy loner if I found my way to Minnesota. Minnesota. <laughs> did you, I mean, did you view yourself as a loner in that song? Um, sure. I mean, the, the yeah, I mean, I think in, in that in that letter, I, I'm sort of talking about someone who was, who was making an effort uh, in this, in the town in Sicily where I was staying to spend some time with me, and I was sort of fending him off. Uh, more, I mean, I, I think 
in the, all of the trips that I've taken to Italy um, by myself, which is, I guess, four now, um, for some reason in that period of my life, I, I really enjoyed spending a lot of time alone, and I guess I probably would have been classified as uh, what constitutes a loner. But um, I do think, um, especially for in, in your 20s, um, when you're young, traveling by yourself is, is can be a really formative, um, important experience. And so I came to try to almost defend that in a way, in which and I probably took it to uh, an you know an extreme in that I, I may have closed off opportunities to spend time with interesting people. But I definitely have a, a loner streak in me. Um, uh, and I still do, you know. Yeah, I think that was that was pretty present. That was pretty present for <laughs> My book. loner streak was pretty present. Yeah, it, well, it was. You weren't. I really I mean, felt the loner in you <laughs> reading this. Uh, well, I mean, you're writing. You're writing to someone, but at the same point, pretty much every time you're writing, you're by yourself, right? And then you're like, oh. God, there's that annoying person well, sitting by me on the beach. You know, but as, oh, well, as a woman alone in Italy, that's that's just a reality that you're going to have to deal with. But um, yeah, I mean, the 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 letters, and I guess probably that's why I I, I got. Um, uh, copies of them given to me as soon as I got back is because I didn't really do any other writing when I was there, and they ended up being a kind of journal as well of, of my experiences there, um, which for the most part were were. Um, solo experiences. Mm-hmm. So you went there specifically to be alone. <laughs> well, I went there to explore Sicily, but uh, by myself. But I, I did spend time with uh, my friend Dima, who our paths crossed for a few days. And um, it's it's interesting. I don't know. Uh, this is a few years later now. Whether I I would um, go back to Italy by myself again, you know. But like I said, I do think it, it can. You can gain a lot by first of all, you have to take care of yourself and fend for yourself and being doing that in a foreign country um you learn a lot you know about yourself and about traveling and maybe even the place where you are you know mhm mm-hmm. so did you go i mean did you go with the intention of writing um of writing anything oh sure, yeah, I mean that's yeah, I definitely. Um, that's part of being alone, you know, is is uh, the problem with, with being a writer sometimes is that you write because you're lonely, but you, you have to be alone to write. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but so I, I did always look forward to the time that I spent in Italy, and, and I was um, as time to write and to reflect, uh, and that was definitely part of my plan in Sicily. I didn't know that it would end up just being a bunch of letters, <laughs> mm-hmm. but um, didn't, you know, to me, well, writing is is writing. Um, not all of it is going to be good, but I think just the act of it, um, if if you can make it a discipline and something you do every day, that's half the battle, you know. Mm-hmm, definitely, um, I'm curious as to how you got started writing in general. I, you know, I try to find as much information about you as I could. You write, oh, man. <laughs> you, you write for McSweeney's. You write for Huffington Post. These are pretty, I mean, these are pretty big accomplishments, but at the same point, I couldn't really, f- I couldn't really find much about, you know, how, how you got, how you got into writing. Um, well, I've always enjoyed writing since I was a little kid. Um, you know, I was sort of the nerdy kid in the, in the, uh, advanced writing courses or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I st- writing poems in the forms of mushrooms and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I don't know. Um, but I, um, yeah, I've just always enjoyed it. My father is an English professor um, in London, Ontario. So a little, it's a university town not far from here, actually, in Canada. And um, 
he enc- encouraged me to read and to write at a very early age, and um, I found that I just enjoyed it, no matter, even, you know, school writing, whatever kind of writing I was doing, I, I enjoyed um, it as an outlet, and uh, when I... I was. It was just incur- like I got so much positive feedback that I I wanted to keep doing it. And um, in terms of writing professionally, um, that came sort of a little more slowly. Only in that uh, when I when I graduated um, from school, I went into uh, television writing, and um, I mean it, w- it was a great first job, uh, television writing and producing. But uh, it was sort of a slow road for me to, um, I guess, get into writing full-time and get into more um, uh, fiction, nonfiction, and sort of journalistic writing. Mm-hmm. On an earlier trip, you made a series of trips to Italy, mm-hmm. and uh, on an earlier trip you wrote a series of pieces for McSweeney's about finding your, your origins, mm-hmm. um, the origins of your family in Italy. Uh, I picked out a passage that I, I thought was interesting. You write, when I was young, I'd ask my dad over and over how many drops of Italian blood I had in me, hoping it would rise above the standard three or four as I grew. At eight, I heard the story that our name was not our own, that had been changed to orange from Orangia or Arance or Orangio by an Ellis Island lackey. Um, And then you write, I still have the letter in which Miss Camaletti, the student teacher I loved as a paysan, and then after she left me, standing on the long and winding road of the fourth grade as a pen pal, wrote that I didn't look Italian, breaking my heart into three or four pieces. (laughs) There's that nostalgic little girl coming back again. Um, And you also did a piece for for Transom, which Mm -hmm. is an internet um, broadcaster, public radio, and it was about... It was about your father and you, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And it, it was about the puzzle that you gave him. A huge puzzle, right? Huge. How, huge. how big was it? I believe the one in... Um, well, the one I ended up giving him, I think, was 12,000 pieces. Or 12,500, yeah. That's yeah. unbelievable. <laughs> I know. That's it's unbelievable. sick, really. But it's it, was of the, it was of the Sistine Chapel. Oh, well, the first one was, uh, I think, uh, 9,000 pieces, and that was of the Sistine Chapel okay. ceiling. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's beautiful, actually. Um, I've, I was really curious. I mean, you, you've made all these successive trips back to Italy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you wrote about uh, your Italian origins for McSweeney's. And then sort of going back again, you get little tinges of you searching for your connection to Italy. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you think has really directed your writing? Well, it would seem so. I, <laughs> yeah, I guess um, it's uh, definitely. I mean, probably... Most writers spend a certain portion of of their time and maybe their careers seeking out, you know, a self or or an origin um, in different forms, obviously. Um, and for me, for some reason, that has taken the the shape of uh, the Italian part of my background. It's really it's just my my father's father's side of the family. You know, it's like a quarter of my background but um from that first trip that I took to Italy when I was 22 it's something connected in me and I I well actually I mean from before that since I was a little child I always gravitated towards that side of my father's family and I guess I I've been spending a lot of time trying to figure out why that is you know I don't mm-hmm. I don't quite understand it so it's it it draws me um back there um and I think I have well um I mean, so, uh, as sort of growing understanding, but I don't think it, I have it quite figured out yet, but I'm, I'm a lot further along than, 
than I was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's a really that's a really interesting contrast going to a foreign place um, among strangers, searching for sort of a familial connection. Yeah, that's it, it is. It's sort of like, um, and, and I I'm actually hoping to turn the the McSweeney's um, dispatches into a, a larger work, like a book, and. Um, that idea, I mean, so many of us in, in North America particularly um, are, are, are immigrants, you know, or come from a, a, a background that we don't, aren't fully aware of or haven't really explored. So that idea of, you know, your ancestors, um, if they're not escaping, you know, they're at least, you know, leaving and searching for something different. And, and you know, 100, 150 years later, you know, three or four generations later, a lot of us, you know, feel the need to sort of retrace the steps, you know, and, mm-hmm. and backtrack a bit, um, either to understand, you know, where we come from or um, where we're going, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you do. You do write a lot. Of, I mean, you are a loner. <laughs> you write a lot about. <laughs> you write a lot about strangers in the book. Um, I had a passage. You just call me a name. <laughs> It wasn't that bad. Um, mm-hmm. You read a lot about strangers. There was one passage I really, I really liked um, about when you're uh, getting to one of your new apartments and this this really adorable interaction you have with one of your hosts. I was hoping that you would read that for oh, us. Oh sure, sure. This is in uh, Agrigento, which is I guess the second city I visited in the south of Sicily. <clears throat> Funny thing about my host, whose name I have not, I have still not registered. When I told him I was only staying for four nights and not five, he was upset and said that Saturday was his birthday party and he had planned on me being there, as if I had received the invite in the mail weeks ago. I just met him. Also, he seems to want to hang out, and I feel this may be a problem. I'm not looking forward to going home and half expecting him to barge in the apartment at any moment, as he did twice this morning, asking after my plans. However, here's the funny thing. I guess while showing my roommates around, while I was in my room, he peeked in the bag I had set on the fridge and saw it contained the strawberries I bought in Syracuse. This morning, during visit number two, I was in the shower. I was very annoyed because I didn't much care to be seen post-shower by him, as there wasn't much of a towel to get me from the bathroom to my room. I thought, oh Christ, is he going to stay here until I'm done? Anyway, he yelled goodbye to me, and as I was washing my face, as I was washing my face, so I get into my room and see he has left two containers of strawberries on my desk with a note. It's very sweet, no? I continue getting ready, dress, pull stuff together, and go to the kitchen to get the Diet Coke I bought yesterday from the fridge to take with me. I open the fridge and see that he's covered the entire top shelf with containers of strawberries. I laughed my bloody head off. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That was Michelle Orange reading from her book, The Sicily Papers. That's such an ad- that's such an adorable thing to do. Really? I mean, I was so touched. I can't even say. And you had known this guy for what? Four uh, days? Yeah, less, maybe oh, like wow. a day and a half. You talk a lot. You talk a lot about kindness. I think in an implicit way in the book. Uh, there was one part at the very beginning when you're talking about being in a foreign country and how kindness is sort of like the uh, flotation device that keeps you going <laughs> in the shallow end. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't you don't need it, <laughs> but it's so nice. Yeah. Do you think it was any stranger or just specifically Italian strangers that that you were drawn to that you felt this connection with? Well, that's the thing. I don't know. I seem to I seem to either be more aware of it or um, appreciate it more in Italy. I, I don't know. I mean, I've traveled in, in other places, um, and I'm 
certainly have benefited from from other kindnesses, but for some reason um there was something about uh there was just something so comforting and comfortable um about the faces and the people that I met there and I do think it's true that Italian people um have an openness and a generosity that is rare um and that certainly um you don't see it as much where I'm from in Canada people it's not that we're unfriendly we're very polite as everybody <laughs> says but we're just sort of much more reserved you know we won't it, it, it's not that we don't want to go out of our way to help somebody else or to sort of get in anybody else's business as much as is, it is we it's not appropriate you know or you wouldn't want to cross any lines you know but in Italy um I don't know your 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 business kind of is everyone else's business for better or for worse you know so mm-hmm. if if you're in a if you're in a a pickle then then that's for better mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and when you're traveling alone that a lot of pickles out there, <laughs> I guess. yeah you definitely you draw a distinction between the uh secret sweet strawberry kind of kindness and the <laughs> I'm an uh, Italian man on a motorcycle yeah. and you're walking down yeah. the street alone kind Very of Very friendly, yeah. <laughs> then it's not so good. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, we're going to take another short break. Uh, we'll be right back. You're listening to The Living Writer Show on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. back. You're listening to The Living Writers Show on WCBN-FM. I'm here with Michelle Orange, author of the Sicily Papers. Uh, that song we just heard was P.J. Harvey, and actually the the epigraph that you have at the beginning of the book is taken from that song. Yeah, it mm-hmm. is, yes. Um, Who is left that writes these days? But you and me will be different. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. I thought that... Um, I really thought that your book was sort of a commentary on technology, maybe un- unwittingly so, but it was almost like you you writing letters inherently eliminated technology from your <laughs> life. Like you said that you wrote a bunch of emails, but you don't mention writing the emails and the letters. It's almost no. Like well, I didn't write so many. I received a lot, mm-hmm. but I didn't. Yeah, it really. Um, and in the time that I spent with uh, the European, my friend Emma, um, he just could not let go, you know, like he was constantly, he, he wanted always on the computer and checking his phone. And um, for me, part of traveling and, and part of Italy, I guess, was just um, retreating, you know, mm-hmm. just sort of 
getting rid of all of that for for a few weeks at least and seeing what happens you know Mm -hmm. did you feel like the letter writing intensified that like once you started writing the letters you didn't want to check your email and you didn't definitely yeah I became very sort of proprietary about my (laughs) notebook and my uh time and um it was just I mean you you can write a letter anywhere you know you don't have to um it's just it's such a different experience and and uh I really feel like, um, you know, if more people sort of gave it a try, you know, they would remember. I mean, so much of, of uh, the even just a generation ago, and, and and for centuries before that, letter writing was a huge part of people's lives, you know. Yeah. Um, and so, what is lost when that doesn't happen anymore? I don't know. Um, and a lot of the readings that I've been doing, um, just a few months ago, some letters surfaced um, that my grandfather wrote my grandmother during this month-long period when they were secretly engaged. Um, his wife had just passed away a year before, um, and she was away for a month, and he. He wrote her a letter every day, you know, and nobody in my family knew about them until uh, just recently. But they tell this amazing story, you know, and, and it's so um, evident, you know, the the affection and, and the emotion that was happening between them, even just from his letters, you know. And um, I don't know, email, <laughs> it, it's just a it's a it's a different medium, you know, it's like TV and, and radio. It's it's a totally different medium. And so. Um, it, it'd be sad if we lost a medium altogether, like yeah. letter writing. I agree. It's almost like the quickness of the quickness of technology makes everything shorter, mm-hmm. and almost less meaningful. Yeah. Unfortunately, another another um, I don't know interesting contrast I found in your book was between the plane and the boat. <laughs> you love the boat. Love the boat. <laughs> but you hate you hated the plane for the hate most the part. Plane. <laughs> like the train. <laughs> there were all these obnoxious people on the plane. But, um, <laughs> tell me, why do you like the boat so much? Oh, I don't know. I, I guess maybe it was novel for me. I haven't spent a lot of time on boats, and um, you know, just sort of being being lost out there in in, in a body of water. Um, it is it, maybe. This is this may be specific to me, but it, it boats still feel well not more more miraculous, but more miraculous than a pa- a plane. But um, there is something just sort of remarkable about you know being floating. You know, especially I mean the bigger they are, the the crazier it is to me. Mm-hmm. But um, you you really you just could be anywhere on a boat if you if you can't see land um around you in any direction mm-hmm. and so i just felt very romantic to me maybe i was just in a romantic state of mind <laughs> like anything would be romantic but i just i enjoyed it a lot and there were less obnoxious people on the boat well yeah i think so i mean um maybe i was just in a worse mood on the plane i don't know um but on the yeah, everyone seems to get into the spirit of taking a boat trip, you know, like it's a, it's a whole it's a whole thing, you know. A plane trip is sort of like yawn, you know, like when's it going to be over? But yeah. <laughs> you can sort of really dig your heels into a boat trip. It even sounds fun. Boat trip. <laughs> a boat trip. Yeah, you've got a great passage about that that last trip you took on the boat um, mm-hmm. at the end of your book. I thought I thought it was um, it was it was pretty poignant. Um, I was hoping you would read that. For sure. Us. Um, well, yes, this is this is me being very romantic. <laughs> um, just leaving these uh, islands north of Sicily, the Aeolian Islands are very beautiful. So, uh, okay. Oh man, 
I don't know why leaving things hurts me so much, but leaving a beautiful island on a large boat isn't doing myself any favors. And the three little boys who were standing way out on this little apse of land, they would have had to court treachery and broken teeth to get onto, way out from the pier, who began waving and jumping up and down jubilantly the moment I opened the stairwell, stairwell door onto the deck, despite the fact that the deck was crowded with people to wave to. Signorina, signorina, bella, signorina, didn't help matters. It was like they were there waiting for me. I felt very close to a sort of swoon, a collapse. Little Italian boys get me. It felt big, the boat pulling away from a gorgeous forgotten island and those kids calling out to me. Maybe it was compounded by the fact that I saw my future pretty clearly yesterday afternoon. I'll tell you about it if you ask nicely. It's Italian faces. I love them so much. It stirs something in my bones. When I see eyes or a demeanor or an expression, like photos of my grandfather, something primal comes over me. People are different here, and their faces are too. Thank you. That was author Michelle Orange reading from the Sicily Papers. So you're going to have little Italian kids. <laughs> that, could you tell that that's what it meant? <laughs> you're, you're totally right. That's what I thought at the time. <laughs> um, yeah. I hope so. <laughs> um, you've, you've got a really, I, I don't know, you've got a poignancy in that passage. Um, I think about leaving, about experiencing a different culture. Um, it's sort of connected to me for another passage, to another passage that you wrote in the book when you say you're apologizing to B and you say, I'm sorry about wanting slices of people. I know they don't come that way in convenient little installments of your choosing. And that comment is really directed to him, but at the same point, I thought that that really applied well to that last scene and pretty much to the work in general. Mm -hmm. um, the letters, I thought, really really adequately captured just little slices of little Italian boys and, you know, B to an extent, and you mm -hmm. and your experiences there. Do um, you think maybe that's why people read authors and artists' letters? Um yeah, I think so. I mean, it's definitely, and that's what that's what interests me about the sort of letter letter writing as a form. I guess um, is uh, you're writing for an audience of one, basically, and um, you're you're creating um, a voice in a way, and a persona, and you're also sort of almost creating the person that you're writing to, or 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 you're the person you hope you're writing to, you know, um, and uh, so a lot of those sort of narrative things come into play. And I guess in reading, I've always been interested in reading other people's letters, I guess because I'm nosy, but also because <laughs> they um, they reveal um, things in a sort of unguarded way that, that uh, I mean, hopefully good letters reveal interesting things and, and uh, um, maybe the mechanics of a, of a person's... Um, writing or maybe their mind I don't know or maybe just the way they were feeling that day and and uh um expressing something um sort of for an intended audience of one again is is uh I don't know for the, for some reason that idea interests me um that that would be the reason that I would want to read someone else's letters and reading my grandfather's letters especially uh, the ones that I mentioned it it was that was a big part of it you know it was just um seeing a side of someone that 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 
well, you're not really intended to see because they're not to you, but um, that is nevertheless, you know, connected to to a person. Um, I don't know who who interests you in some way. Mm-hmm. Have you? Um, I mean, you just finished your master's in film. Mm-hmm. Have you thought at all about how that sort of concept of letter write, writing of little slices of people and places can apply to film? Um. Not specifically, but, uh, I mean, it is, um, I mean, film, yeah, I mean, in a way, uh, well, no, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know how to answer that. I mean, um, I haven't thought about that specifically, but I I think that, um, you know, the sort of, um, the idea of, like, films that are short films or films that are vignettes or scenes I mean um no I'm not gonna answer that well at all I'm sorry I'm just not I'm gonna let it go no no that's okay (laughs) um are anything from your uh, Italian adventures going to translate into screenwriting or oh um I don't uh, not not at this point I don't think um I don't I don't see it because I, I really, I think my next focus will be um, adapting the McSweeney's um, dispatches into a book, and then um, possibly after that. But uh, I mean, then that would be great, wouldn't it? I get to go to Italy and uh-huh. <laughs> lounge around on a set somewhere. Uh-huh. Yeah, that <laughs> That's a fabulous. good goal to shoot for. Yeah, that sounds fabulous. <laughs> Are you planning any trips back anytime soon? Not just not. Uh, well, I would like to go back in the spring because since I moved to New York in 2003. Um, I haven't done any traveling overseas, and it's sort of been killing me. So uh, now that I'm done school, and uh, I, I'm going to hopefully save up a little money and get back to Italy, because um, having gone, you know, I sort of was going there every year for four or five years. Um, so I would like to get back, and um, ideally, it'll be for some research for this for the next book. Great. Mm-hmm. And you've been on a book tour. You've I have. Been this. Yeah, I'm sort of in the in the in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been wonderful. You were just in Chicago, right? Chicago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was so great. The Myopic Bookstore. Yeah, that's a great little bookstore. Yeah. And have you been there? I have. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's it fabulous. Was so cool. Mm-hmm. It's huge. Mm-hmm. But um, you're reading tonight at Shaman Drum. I am. Mm-hmm. Also a great Very local exciting. bookstore. Yeah. Uh, is this is this something that's strange for you? I mean, you're you're an awfully you're an awfully young writer. I feel like <laughs> this is this is is this something Not that new? Young. <laughs> <laughs> is this something new for you? Exciting. Um, oh, for sure. I mean, yeah, never in my wildest dreams did I imagine I'd have the opportunity to to travel around and you know meet the fantastic people that I get to meet and and have the opportunity to read with the people I've been reading with. I mean, it's so much fun. I mean, above anything else, it's just so much fun. You know, mm-hmm. I'm so lucky. How do you feel about me having uh, highlighted your book up? <laughs> <laughs> I feel great about it. You know, it's crazy. I mean, it's it's it's, it's it really it's surreal. I mean, the whole yeah. experience is surreal. I, you know, the it, it was sort of a the reason that what attracted me to the project really was um, that I didn't know exactly how I felt about it, and I felt like that was a, a signal that I should 
definitely do it. Um, and it, it seems so risky. And I admire Elizabeth for having such a such a unique idea. And so to have it now out there in the world, you know, highlighted and and posted um, <laughs> it's fantastic. I mean, I, I felt kind of bad highlighting. And <laughs> what did you? Yeah, well, it was just one of those. I mean, because it, it's so it's pretty. No, it's no Jonathan <laughs> Colors deconstructionist theory. So, yeah, I felt. No, well, bad. it's hilarious. It's all it's it's all fun to me. Yeah, you know, it's. Um, I don't know. <laughs> well, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Thank today. you for having me. Yeah, it's this been was great. great. It's been great having you on the show. I really did enjoy your book. Um, everyone listening, you can pick up a copy. It's the Sicily Papers by Michelle Orange. Uh, thanks so much to our engineer Chaz Barrett, and thank you for tuning in today. You've been listening to the Living Writers Show. Show archives are available as podcasts on iTunes. Just go to the iTunes Music Store and search for Living Writers. Thanks again for joining us, and stay tuned to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor Sports Report. Michigan with the ball at the Michigan State 21-yard line. Three wide receivers, two far, one near. Henny under center. He'll drop back to pass. Looks for Edwards in the end zone. Jump ball. And it is caught by Braylon Edwards. Braylon Edwards in the back of the end zone gets the touchdown for the Wolverines, and the comeback is almost complete. Good evening, everyone. It's cloudy outside, but don't worry. You have your daily Wednesday edition of DSR right here. Rushi Vias, along with Kevin Gregus, Cheryl Friedman, and Steve Schuster in studios in the Student Activities Building. And let's get it kicked off with some Michigan news. Cheryl, what do you got? Well, congratulations to women's soccer. They earned their ninth NCAA tournament.